So I'm really looking forward to this record today. Welcome back to Pod on the Dog. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. Now, I'm excited because I actually have in my possession the latest book written by my guest today called Dogology. But because this guy is also a huge dog lover, and what I really love is he asks the questions what, why, and how on many subjects, including science behind dogs, as well as cats and food. So appearing and also writing many TV shows that you will have enjoyed, such as Gastronauts. I know that I've got children. (laughs) It's on CBBC, right? Incredible Edibles and Supermarket Secrets. The list is long. So I'm really excited to chat with this author and presenter. Welcome, Stefan Gates. Hello, how are you doing? And you're going to be an author soon as well, aren't you? Yes, I um, I think I'm working with the same company. That's right, yeah, <laughs> very very exciting times. I, I need to it. get I need to get all the tips, by the way, because I um, I can focus for 20 minutes, Stefan, and then I'm I feel like I'm going to combust. <laughs> it's so hard. Basically, as a writer, you spend your entire life avoiding writing. That's that's your main job when you're writing is to find other things. <laughs> Literally, the laundry can take the entire day because it's so hard. It's so hard. So yeah, you have to be so so strict with yourself. It's a painful yeah. affair. I need I need what I need them to do is give me chapter deadlines and say to me, right, end of January, I want two chapters delivering, yeah. and I will. I, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I will wait till two weeks before, but yeah. then I will <laughs> crash right. You know, that's exactly the way it works. I think I think every author's the same. You know? Do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, okay, because I've been having a, a really hard word with myself because I've yeah. thought. You should be beaten with a big stick, yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you feel really proud at the end of it. <laughs> it gets to the point where I can't sleep at night and then I really pull my fingers because it's really stressing me out. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I, I, I'm pretty certain that every author other than Barbara Cartland is, is basically like that. You know, you, you, it's hard. It's hard doing those things. But, mm. but once, you get, once you get into the groove of it, you, you start writing and it all flows out because you've thought about it so much before. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because you've been true. planning how to avoid it um, and then you, you you get into it and it, it it is actually oddly quite easy once you've done all the prep um but yeah yeah well I'm gonna take those tips what I've also found is I am thinking about a lot more because when I'm out in the car driving all of a sudden something will come to me yeah. and I'll think oh I need to stop and just write this down you know my yeah. notes just make a quick note yeah, of what I've exactly. thought yeah but, and and, and but, but also the other thing you, you end up doing so I don't know if anyone's gonna be interested in this talk yeah I know <laughs> but, hey, <let's> go. <laughs> is, is the fact that that you just do loads of research and you, get, and you get sort of you get sunk in research because then again you don't have to write it you're kind of you're working saying no 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 I'm working I'm, I'm researching and mm. basically you're researching but the thing about research is that you wander off on so many tangents so you know you suddenly find yourself looking at, at you know mammoth remains in in, in <laughs> Siberia and you're thinking hang on I I was actually writing about cat's whiskers <laughs> this is this is another thing as well I think that we're so used to doing that even with our phones like we'll just pick up and look about look at our phones just wanting yeah. to check our emails and then all of a sudden you find yourself scrolling through your reels on Instagram and you're like how did this how did this happen it was like an out-of-body experience <laughs> but you see that i think that's also what's interesting because it brings you back to what's important about writing so for me i'm i'm 
I used to think that I was a one type of author or another type of author. I, I realized I'm a quirkologist. I, I like the quirky stuff. And I think that's because at the heart, that's at the heart of everybody. So as you say, you know, you start off looking at one thing on Instagram and you're, you drift into some weird hole there's, and you're suddenly looking at, at you know, ast- astronomy or, 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 mm. you know, some weird bit of science. And, and I think that's why I love it because, because you do get drifting. You, you, you can take people away on you on this weird little journey. Mm. And I guess that's that's what the, this book that we're talking about dogology is is sort of about it's about it's not just about sort of the basic science of dogs and how they work but the kind of the weird stuff that goes on because yeah. scientists research the strangest stuff and, and and most of it doesn't see the light of day because it's so weird and tangential and and who's going to want to know about that like, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly until that's that and, until people realize that that's what's fascinating is the quirks the things that you didn't expect mm. you know that it's not the stuff that you learn in biology at school or or in, on the, the grand scale stuff that you see on tv what i'm fascinated by is the weird stuff you know the, 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 the one of the best bits that i love about about this book is mm. uh the, the 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 science that goes behind the fact that dogs tend to poo with their bodies aligned north to south now this is fascinating because it's indicative of the weird stuff that scientists get up to so they, they this is uh, some czech and german researchers followed dogs for uh, over several years and watched their movements as it yeah. were uh, yeah. thousands and thousands of them and logged them and it seems like such an odd idea why would you follow yeah. dogs around watching them poo with a compass but they've discovered these extraordinary things now the, the the reality is not everyone not every dog does it every single time but generally speaking dogs prefer to poo with their bodies aligned north to south now why is another whole whole question they haven't really worked out why they've just the, the first stage of it is just finding out they've recognized they do yeah, that exactly and this is this is researchers kind of thinking they come up with a theory and they go I think I've seen my dog taking a poo and its body's always in the same direction, that, that kind of thing. And then they mm. followed that up. Now, it turns out that, that lots of animals have, um, have different tools for navigation and that dogs have, have some of those tools as well that, that birds have. Whether or not they use them in the same way, we, we still don't know yet. Mm. And that's what's quite fascinating about this is that it's not just about the stuff that we know, but about the stuff that we don't know and the, you know, the why and the wherefore of, of, of what goes behind it. And that's, that's what I love is what I love finding out about it, but also the psychology of of dogs, of owning dogs, the psychology of dogs themselves. You know, dogs are incapable of abstract thought. Um, but and and then there's and then there's the, the the psychology of us and what it says about us to own a dog. But also, what I'm fascinated by, and I don't talk about in the book, which I really wanted to ask you, is okay. the psychology of dog grooming. Yeah. Now I know that you know some people are a bit sniffy about, about dog grooming and say, "Well, what's the point? You know, you're you're fruiting up a dog. They sh- they shouldn't. You know, it's a, it's half a." Oh, so yeah, people are quite matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, and absolutely. Why you, and yet, you know, we are we are, you know, the human being loves art. We love all these things which aren't strictly speaking necessary on a daily mm. basis, and mm. yet they fill our souls with joy. And, and things like craft is really important. You know, you don't need. You know, my mum was was a wood turner. She loved wood turning. Now you don't need to do that but she was obsessed by doing it and i think that that dog grooming is one of those things you know yes the dog doesn't necessarily know that that they look a certain way um but there's a there's a connection you make with the dog and i wonder what you thought about that what is the psychology of dog grooming what drives you to do it beyond beyond the the sort of the the fact that you want your dog to look beautiful what's Mm. what's the what's the the other drive behind that 
I mean, obviously there's a gap, in, there's a need in the market for dogs to be groomed because with a lot of dogs, they have to be groomed. Yeah. It's a necessity for their health and well-being because they have these coats that keep growing. I know a bit like your dog, it's the type of dog that looks like it needs it to haircut. Yeah, yep. It's like but one of those also, I think, models, it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of the groomers that you see, they're not only just people who want to be around dogs and enjoy that, but they also are quite artistic characters. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's that fulfillment of having that immediate gratification of the before and the after and the and feeling the that express. it gives you. It's, it's yeah. expression, isn't it? And actually yeah. it's become a career and, you know, that's, what better than to do something like working with dogs and doing something that yeah. fulfills that that artistic side in you because I do look at it like art I'm creating a sculpture a lot of the time yeah. with hair and and I'm also tinkering about with the shape of that dog underneath so particularly with my show grooming I might have a dog that's slightly too long and I'm talking you know show standards quietly slightly too long in the body yeah. so it's by creating these optical illusions almost with hair and it's it's a craft I, yeah, you know absolutely I think it's the same, is. same as, as as anyone going to to the hairdressers you know you, mm. you don't have to have hair in a certain way but but it's something that's wonderful it's some, it's an expression of yourself and I just yeah. think that's really fascinating and I, yeah, I love yeah. the idea that that on one side people don't really understand that and some people you know are a bit sniffy about various different types of art and craft Mm -hmm. and yet it's important and it's an industry and there's a whole world of other things that come around that and there's there are social aspects to it and all sorts. i love it it's great yeah absolutely it is fascinating and there's some groomers that do it to the extreme you'll see them coloring the dogs and and everything like that and you'll get your other side that just want to just give them a haircut and that's it and i think (laughs) i meet somewhere in the middle where uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where I want but to make them look aesthetically pleasing but yeah I, I'm not so much into the creative stuff yeah you know but I just think it's fascinating and back to the the dogs pooing north to south as well mm. the, it, that must hark back to some sort of predatory behavior like from their ancestors because obviously their ancestors used to roam for hundreds and hundreds of miles so they must have had some inbuilt tracking system in them like you were saying a bit like birds do and that's right but why north to south who knows well exactly it's it's a little unclear but i mean obviously the the in in different areas of the world the sun comes up in certain places which which is aligned north or south at different times of the day so it may be related to that the nearest sort of hint towards it being useful to dogs because i've no idea why otherwise is that um some foxes uh, are more successful when they hunt jumping in a specific direction again nobody knows why but the hint is that it helps in terms of the, the evolutionary drive to it is dogs are more successful in surviving because they they can they can use their magnetosensory perception uh, the other thing is as you say about refinding the pack now um they've, they've done a lot of work um with hunting dogs and they found that if they if you if you abandon a dog away from its owner it will do certain things it will it will um first of all do a short run about 50 meter run um along a north to south line and then once it's got its bearings of where it feels it is on the compass it will then make a decision about which way it needs to go back to find its owner um now then it's not successful every time but but 
but statistically it's significant and and they will generally find their way back using this magnetoreception so there's lots of different tools and as you say it, it, you know the evolution of dogs from wolves is really mm. interesting because they would have had very very complex needs you know yes absolutely I mean, wolves are very different they're pack they're pack animals in ways that dogs aren't and they have mm. you know, these different tools and, and they must have had much more heightened senses sense of smell and yeah. you know those those behaviors that a lot of our dogs have unlearned over that's you know, right. generations were, of breeding yeah there are little echoes of lots of these evolutionary tools left behind you know things like dogs uh you know um pacing around before and and, and sort of padding the ground before mm. they before they sleep that is thought to be you know this thing goes that goes back to wolves where they would need to really before they they bed down for the night they need to know where everyone is come you know contextualize where they are in their environment and, and mm. wandering around now of course dogs don't need to do that yeah because, so they're just padding around in their bed yeah and they're kind of going well i don't know why i'm doing this why am i wandering around i have no idea it's a bit like i don't know if, if you've ever noticed but but my dog is is, is a he's a male um and i remember the first time he lifted his leg up to to have a mm, pee you know up until yeah. then he'd just been sort of peeing as he went around and yeah they just kind of they they pee like girls don't they that's for, right uh, up until they sort of mature and then yeah but you can almost see this confusion on their faces going oh i, I need I want to lift my leg up. I don't know why I want to lift my leg up. I know, because it's not learned behavior, is it? Absolutely. It's it's, it's deep down there, a bit like wagging tails and things like that. Mm, You know, it it crops up later on. So so all of these things I I, I find really fascinating. And the fact that we don't really know exactly why dogs uh, poo north-south, I think is is quite exciting because it means there's something more to learn. But Mm. but the the intriguing bit is that it happens at all. There's there's also a fair amount of science about about wagging tails. Now, I haven't been able to see this with my dog my dog got such a fluffy flipping great tail that is quite hard to tell yeah, yeah dogs tend to wag their tails a little bit more to the right when they're being positive about something so especially if they're meeting a dog that is uh, that they see as as a friend or, or, or at least not as an enemy if, if they meet an aggressive dog their tails tend to wag wag more to the left now again the exact reason why is is shrouded in mystery but we do know that dogs have very different ter- methods of communication with yeah. each other which which goes way beyond um, us and and we know that dogs are incredibly sensitive to body movements and very um, much so positions and things Mm -hmm. like that and you know dogs will know before you know that that you're going to be taking them out for a walk for instance you'll because they'll that you'll be going through a set of 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 movements that they habitual behavior that they Exactly. And they know. you might not even know you're ready for the walk but but it might sort of dawn on you that oh i guess it's time to go for a walk isn't it and then um, but the dog goes no oh, yep you're in the zone baby <laughs> i yeah, know what you're gonna absolutely. do absolutely and, and it's like they have no sense of time and yet they'll know what time it's yeah. they're due to get up they're due to exactly. be fed i don't I'm, I'm quite you know i don't have a set time where i feed my dogs but i know with my mum's dog she always feeds her dog at half four on the dot and at 20 past four, the dog gets up and goes and sits in the kitchen. Getting ready. Just, it, it just knows. Bang on time yeah. every every time. It is. It? It's extraordinary. And and the other thing that's really interesting is with, with, there's been so much research done on dogs. And there's it's pretty pretty clear that dogs are incapable of abstract thought. So they're not able to understand uh, guilt. They have no sense of, of being sorry about something. Um, they have expectations and they have feelings. They can, you know, they have emotions. So, mm. so the, which are reactions to things that are happening. You know, they love happiness, joy, sadness, pain, all those kinds of things. But, they, but, but to 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 contextualize that and make it an abstract thing. You know, they have they don't understand 
gravity because they have no concept of how it all works and yet they know that a ball will fall and so so with all of these things you 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 you've got to realize that 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 dogs don't can't can't cope with the abstraction of what's going on but they do have an expectation of certain things happening so they do lots of things like um uh, object permanence um, studies which is the concept of you know if, if a ball is put in a box does it still exist now with with some oh, okay species, yeah i've heard it's of really this tricky yeah. um female dogs much much better at this than male dogs and there's a point in you know if you've done it enough times and and they understand that you have a ball and you've put it in the box before then they'll get it but often with male dogs they they don't get that concept um and i just find this absolutely fascinating mm. because they still have to work within a world which is complicated we have cars the things fly there are birds you know all these things that that, that it more and more really complicated confused. yeah absolutely for absolutely, them isn't it yeah, yeah. exactly um, and so that that's what i love and, and that's yeah. a, a lot of the book is about trying to trying to understand how dogs live and and so that we can understand them a, a bit better because as you say the world's a confusing place and lots of people don't like dogs and you know i, I think it's really important that we do now the other thing that i think is really fascinating which i'd love to hear from from you about as well is do we need dogs now Lots of people, you know, do- dogs are you know, mm-hmm. they're relatively negative for the environment. Um, you know, there, there's a climate change factor. About 19% of all meat that's consumed is consumed by our pets. Yeah, now, well, mine are, um, mine are fed a lot on insects, like insect protein. Yes, which, that's yeah. really which is like a new, new thing, well. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do they love it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And a lot of people are so like, oh. Yeah, why would you do that? But but yeah, but actually, it's makes such sense. a great protein protein source, and yeah. it you know the water to produce that food is so much less, yeah. and it's so much better for the environment than yeah. than water, the meat product that we land, give them. Yeah, food, I mean, and, and yeah, methane and things like mm. that. You know, insects don't don't produce methane like um, like cows do. So, so many brilliant aspects of this, and 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 this it also comes back to the idea of why do we have a dog? You know, we have dogs mm. because they make us happy, because yeah. they make us feel comfortable and and, and alive. Now. Is that, is it worth the impact on the planet? Well, these things, it's very difficult to juggle. It's, yeah. it's moral relativism of, of, yeah, of one thing you know, versus another. You know, the best thing you can do for the planet is to have one less child. I was but, just about to say, though, isn't that exactly. going back, to, isn't that harking back a little bit to the one child um, exactly. debate? And, and, than, and, yet, and that really gets you bogged down in, in some really yeah, tricky areas. And yeah. so, so you can't quantify love. You know, the, and, and the moment you, you try and quantify love, you everything goes awry, and, mm-hmm. and science just falls apart at that point. Yeah, and I, that's exactly. the bit that I also love that that you know you can't just talk about science and say this is a fact, and there you go, go and do what what you know, go and do what, what what's required. Because mm. if we did that, we wouldn't have children, and then we wouldn't have all the love that surrounds us because with our families and and gives a life meaning and purpose. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I think dogs are a reflection of all of those things. You know, they mm-hmm. are a reflection of the fact that 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 humans nurture we have an urge to nurture yes we want to take care of of, of dogs you know the, I, and i love the fact that you know the dogs have things like the um they've got this the the, the special sad face muscle which is called the l-a-o-m <laughs> yes muscle, reading about which, this, make, which yeah. is basically a little muscle in between the eyes of, above the nose and, and between the eyes that, that give you give dogs that sort of sad Oh my God, you've got to look yeah. after me face. And this taps into humans' want and need to nurture and to take care because of Because that isn't something that they would have needed ancestrally, was it? Absolutely. Was it? So, so it must have been. It's one of those weird evolution, evolutionary quirks. 
Mm. Every now and then, a dog would have had that, and that would have been the dog that was chosen to to be brought into the uh, into a human yes. household because yes. it it flicked some flicked a switch. And the more those dogs were successful, it became a, a small part of their evolution. Now, yeah. not every every dog still has it because dogs. I mean, unlike most most mammals on the planet, have a huge variety. You know, even cats. I think are they are they not the most varied land mammal. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's because we've tinkered. We've, we've, t- we've chosen these bits and pieces. Through select, and natural selection, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. And, and I think that grooming is a part of that as well. You know, something that you can, you can adapt as well mm-hmm. it's, has become mm-hmm. really important to our lives. So, so what dogs have done is they've tapped into the sort of human frailty and their needs. And, and the, you know, they haven't done it on purpose. But with these little quirks, mm. the, and you find that, that dogs that have the LAOM muscle are... Uh, are more likely to be um, rehomed in rescue centres, um, and so th- this is still going. And, and you know, th- these this is a yeah. different type of evolution. You know, it's it's people choosing the the species rather than them having to survive. But then our choosing them is sort of survival. So I feel like the dogs with that muscle have um, have got an ultra level of cunningness going yeah, on. You know, yeah, exactly. sat at the front of the rescue kennel, like. <laughs> Yeah, deploying the yeah, deploy- yeah <laughs> squeezing it up there <laughs> uh, but, but these things are really important though. you know they, they 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 seem like silly little quirks and yet they become vital it's about you know how the species survives and yeah. and dogs haven't had a great time throughout history um you know the whole series of species of wolves which are obviously um dogs ancestors well they've um, died out haven't they they died hunting. out hunting yeah. that's yeah. right and cats bizarrely managed to uh basically um, take a lot of the food that was available um, and they were much more adaptable the different types of claws different sort of hunt, uh, characteristics about hunting and the, the way they lived and loads of, of wolf species died out whereas mm. uh, very few cat species died out and in, in, on the route to to where we are today mm. um, and so these things that seem silly are end up being really really important and you know at some point are we going to start choosing dogs that don't poo so much so that because of the the, the waste yeah. issues and which yeah. is another thing that I, I I have just haven't quite got my head around yet. You know, we've got to deal with the vast amount of waste that our dogs produce, but nobody's really come. A wormery? Yeah. Have you tried a dog pee yeah. wormery? I mean, you can do it on a, on a, on a, I think on a small scale um, where if you've got a garden and if you've got the, the resources, mm-hmm. but on the, on a much broader scale, I mean, I live in, in, in London, um, huge amount of dogs, not a lot of, a, a lot of area. The space. Outside, yeah. Lots yeah. of people in flats and things like that. And there mm-hmm. still isn't a solution to, you know, those. There needs to be a complete banning of, unbiodegradable dog poo bags yeah that exactly. is yeah and then I mean, where do they go made, well this, this is it yeah yeah <laughs> because you know i hate to be i try and think of myself as being quite eco-friendly but then mm. i've got actually got five dogs in my house right now so <laughs> yeah but and and, and you have to and two children that <laughs> but a huge amount of love in the house and that's the important thing yeah yeah that's true and again you come back to these extraordinary concepts of of moral relativity you know can Mm -hmm. can you juggle love against climate change and you you know at some point you must yeah we'll have to yeah, um, but, it's but true. You know, at what point does that become a, a single child policy? Yeah, so it's you know, a single cool. dog policy. Oh, yeah, breaks. 
oh no <laughs> it was interesting though some of those points that you said though and I just think that it's amazing that people are actually out there researching these things yeah. you know like yourself and that so that you can write about it as well you That's know right. what these scientists are, are researching these funny quirks so yeah and it's, it's actually bizarrely very difficult to get your hands on the research so it's all ring fenced um, by paywalls now sci- the scientific world is you know the, uh, you know the way that it works you, know, you 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 research a paper it's funded by either government or or a, a company or mm. or a, some sort of fund you do the research then you ha- it has to be published in a specific publication uh, you pay for that uh, and then it's um, it's reviewed by your peers it's peer reviewed which is really important mm. but all of these publications, well, not all of them, but the vast majority of them, you have to pay a vast amount of money to be able to access. Wow. Um, and so a lot of, you know, most of the research, which we pay for, is mm-hmm. not available to us. And so one of the things that I've had to do with the book is to break through that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, the research bit must have been so tricky for this book. I mean, the hours you must have spent. Oh, my God tearing my hair out um, about how to get it now luckily i live relatively close to the british library which Mm. has access to all of these things whereas you know a a lot of people won't be close to a library so so that's one of the important things about this is to is to bring all of this research which we have paid for which people themselves the public has paid for and 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 offer it to the public there you know there are lots of links in the book as well about about the about the papers themselves yeah i saw at the back you've got a huge huge list haven't you of yeah and some of them are really fascinating and some of them very difficult to get into and because they are couched in really complex scientific Terms. but that's one of my jobs mm. you know I, i'm a i'm a science communicator you know a, a load of the stuff i've done is in the science of food this is dogs and I've, there's a book called catology as well about yeah. the science of cats um and and my job is to take all of that stuff and make it make it something take complex science and make it simple make it fun to read and make it relevant to your life and and then then it becomes interesting and, and without somebody in between doing those jobs i think a lot of scientists find it very difficult to to communicate you know it's, it's not necessarily their job to 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 rave about what they've what they've done they do the research and then they publish it and that's it um, yeah so a lot of us are, are the people that take this information and and spread it as, as much as, as possible. and reword it maybe so people like myself yeah, can understand exactly, and and I think one of the reasons I wrote the book is because when I first got um, Blue, my dog, um, about four years ago, um, you know, I fell in love with him, like, just like you fall in love with any mm. any puppy on the planet. Um, and I want, I, but, but I was kind of thinking, what's what's going on behind those eyes? You know, what, mm. how, how do you work? And I was just fascinated, found myself staring at him and wondering what he's doing, what he's thinking. And there are loads of books out there, but a lot of them are kind of the dog whispering books where, where people yes. have their own theories now how to sort of training yeah. books an awful lot of those yep. and and people's own experience about things now people's own experience is is, is fantastic and and a lot of the people's opinions mm. may well be right but i wanted to to get the facts i wanted to see stuff that was proper scientific peer-reviewed research that mm. had that, that had started out with a concept and they went out to prove it or disprove it and and it was very, very difficult finding a book that took all of that and made it fascinating and relevant. And that's that's why I started writing this, just because looking at my dog, it's, mm. I was just wondering, what's going on? And you, you get if the moment you go online and start looking at, at, at magazine articles about dogs, you suddenly go, no, I don't think you've really <laughs> really referred to any scientific research here at all. You're talking opinions, and again, yeah. they may be right, mm-hmm. but there's no way of knowing. And so, no, hundred so percent. And it, it's, it's nice. It's nice. Exactly. It's nice that you did. Yeah, you, spent, and, and you took fun. that time to actually 
rewrite because a lot of the books like you say in the factual books like I'll open it and I'm you know I've told you about my 20 minute cycle in my brain <laughs> like I'm done <laughs> and what's so great about this book is is whether you've got five minutes or 50 minutes you could open this book anywhere yeah in the page and, it's, it's and yeah yeah, and that and, really and that, that really works for me. That's that's what I love about the the science of, of dogs, and and when you when you sort of pull it down into these little sections. So I've tried to make each chapter very short. So you know, if, if there's a subject in it, then I'm trying to make it one page, maybe two pages at, at max. Mm. Um, but trying to keep it as a as a quick hit, specifically because I think so many people are like you. You know, they they you you can you can delve into a bit of science but you need something to keep you there you need the quirk or the fascinating bit or the oh my god i didn't realize that was going on there um and it's that little hit of fascination that will keep you reading it but but you don't have to be tied into it now you know if, if you start reading the, the 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 vet's manuals about about dogs it's really complex and so p- part of my job is to break oh, that yeah. down into simple little chunks without leading you astray and the mm-hmm. the tricky bit about writing about science is it's so hard to keep telling the truth because the moment you try to break something down from 50 pages into one page, you have to discard so much stuff that at some point you've got to go back and go, oh, this is no longer what, what the truth is about this. I've now drifted into having to, to be so broad that it doesn't make sense anymore. And so you have to go chuck it all away and start it all over again. And, and that's, that's quite painful. But, um, but you know, the, the, the great stuff is that these are all weird secret little things most of the stuff is just so weird that we're never really told about it and and so that they're, they're, they're the bits the nuggets that i love having in the book fabulous i absolutely love it it's uh, it's a great gift it's a great coffee table book yeah it's a great bathroom book Although I have to say, I, I did also write a book called Fartology about. The yes, I've seen. Book. I know about this. That's yes, really that's the, the toilet book. Yeah, that's your, that's for your uncle, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, we, we've got one of them in every league. Yeah, very important. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find a little bit more about you, Stefan. So going back to the beginning, fun yeah. fact: actually, I found out that you were actually on the album cover for Led Zeppelin's iconic album, Houses of Holy. Yes. Yes, uh, with your sister. Weird but true. Me and my sister, yeah. naked. Yeah, naked. with our bums sticking. Crawling over rocks. Down, yeah. Crawling over yeah. The, the Giant's Causeway in Belfast. That's um, right. The, I think I was about four years old. Maybe. Four I mean, years. that's a pretty big story to roll out at dinner parties, isn't it? <sighs> Do you know what? I, I, <laughs> I, I just, I never do. And there's, the, the, the reason for that is, is that I, I, I don't know what the photo means. It's, you know, it's, it's constantly one of those, um, you know, greatest album covers of all time, you know, the yeah. top, top hundred yeah. album covers. So you know, every, every year I'll get a couple of journalists calling me up saying, we're well, doing this amazing story. And it's like, oh, here we go. Again. But, <laughs> but, I, but it is one of those weird things where, you know, I wasn't in control of it. It wasn't my photo. I'm mm-hmm. not the brilliant thing. It was your, it, it was, was your mum, wasn't it? Who, um, sort of, well, she, she, we, we, um, she, she sort of, I think she was just fascinated by that world of going around, you know, of hanging out with photographers and people like yeah. that. But, but yeah, it was a brilliant the short, The Shoreditch types. <laughs> well, they would be now. <laughs> yeah, they would be now. <laughs> For me, it was Milton Keynes. But yeah. It, was, yeah, it was funny because my, uh, my husband doesn't really pay much attention to my podcast notes or whatever. And then when yeah. I, he's a huge Led Zeppelin fan. And ah. when I rolled out, he was like, pardon what? Yeah. <laughs> So, so you, the, weird, the, the reason I don't really talk about it is because I, so at the age of about 14, 
you know, my entire life was chasing girls and trying to get, trying to snog girls, really. That okay, so you didn't want them to the see world. your right. naked ba ba bum. Well, I'm not really, but then I thought, this might be a tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, this famous album cover. So mm-hmm. I took this girl into, um, I think it was HMV or might have been Virgin Records, Central Milton Keynes. Oh, yeah, classic. Nice. Yeah. Um, I took her in there and I said, uh, so uh, this, uh, this photo, that, 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 that bum there, that's me. And uh, she looked at me like I was really, really weird and never spoke to me again. And, <laughs> and so I kind of saw this as, 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 yes. as not a good, positive, exciting thing, but as actually a kind of a cross to bear, you know, it was quite, mm. it's weird, it's apocalyptic. And yeah, so, so it's, I, I've got a, a complex relationship with it. I'm not sure if I love it or I hate it. It's a, yeah, one of those just weird things. So I don't talk about it normally. No, no, well, there we go. Sorry, I've told everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast to apologize. Well, it, it crops up, <laughs> it crops up, it crops up, but um, yeah, it's, it's just something that I, I, I think I just don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it's very it. random. It is very random. It is super random. And that's the good thing. It's quirky. So I'm a quirkologist. So yes, exactly. 100% it fits in. <laughs> you also studied English, didn't you, at Oxford University? That's right. Yeah. You yeah. clever thing. Um, yeah. Can you tell me how your journey, how did your career into TV and, and doing what you do now start? Because... You well, could have gone. You could have gone any which way. I could have done. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about doing an English degree is that mm-hmm. is that you're great at waffling and and convincing people that that you you can do whatever you want to do because you can <laughs> write really well. Um, so, so I when I left uni, I wanted to be. I wanted to go into TV. I wanted to be. A, I wanted to be a film director, really. Um, mm-hmm. And it took me a few years to realise that, in actual fact, the thing that excited me most about being uh, in TV was having a walkie-talkie and playing with lots of big toys, <laughs> things yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. and that maybe being a director wasn't really at the heart of it and so I started writing and I loved writing uh, and, I, and then I was working as a producer I was working as a comedy producer for the BBC um, but in actual fact what I really loved about anything was food I, you know, beyond anything else so the most important thing for me was not the quality of the script that I was working on but where was the crew going to be eating lunch you know what was for lunch um, and, and I realised that it was, it was not just the food but the science behind food as well um, and so I just started writing this book literally an unpublishable book out of, mm-hmm. you know, just out of, out of nowhere just writing it for myself you know I didn't think anyone you were writing for it. fun for fun I know well I'd done an English degree you know it's kind of yeah. in my bones really yeah yeah um and but it was sort of in little chunks you know so it wasn't a long book and you'll find as as you write your book that that small chunks are great because they're because they're they're coherent there's a coherent whole and then you can move on to the next one um and and I started writing this book and the literally the first time I sat down and write and wrote it it was like a bolt of lightning where I just thought oh my gosh I've never enjoyed work before like this in my life i mm. want to do this forever that the writing about something that i was passionate about which was food science at the time um w- was just so exciting and i wrote it and i and 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 I was good at it as well. You know, I read it and it was funny and yet it was informative. And it was, I thought, oh, I, I, this is something I can do. And, and maybe if I really work at it, I could be, I could be really good at it. Mm. So I carried on doing that. Um, and then the BBC was, was looking for some new, presenters for a tv program they, they were basically looking for the the new top gear for food which is what they've been looking for forever ever since top gear was invented yeah they quite managed it um and we did a series called full-on food um and it was me and two other new presenters who'd never done anything before um and it was just amazing it was amazing and i think 
it was the most exciting thing in my life ever because not not just the not just the you know, as you know, as I'm sure your 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 listeners know, you know, you don't actually get paid a huge amount of money for doing telly. You know, you're ex- you're expected to to. Oh, you you've been seen on telly once or twice, and people think, yeah, oh, oh you must be you should miraculously be super yeah. rich. Yeah, and it's just good people. It's not like that. <laughs> the idea is, I think, that for TV companies, you know, they've given you this this platform, and you can you can make make your way in other areas because of yeah. that platform. So so in which case, they pay you. Very very little but they do send a nice car for you in the morning which is very nice um and then and then so i started i started doing doing this tv series it was just so exciting because i was talking about the stuff that i loved and about science yeah. and food and then as i and, and i started doing more tv series after that so i did a series called cooking in the danger zone which was going around the world to sort of difficult and dangerous places around the world and war zones and, and trying to find out how people survive in, in mm. difficult situations wow um and then started doing stuff uh, with for kids as well, and again looking at a lot of science of, of food with kids because the moment you combine science and food, you can blow shit up. Yeah, I was going to say if you can yeah. make something explode, and then you're in the whole world we'll where, where science goes crazy. Then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so from that, I just I got this obsession with um, science communication and, and about telling people about how weird things work, and especially families and kids and people that don't. That, that think they don't like science mm. um, and bringing, bringing and, and it not being called science, but, but being called fascination. So just telling people extraordinary, amazing things that they want to tell somebody else. Mm. Um, and so I wrote, I've written books about, about, you know, eating insects, about, we mentioned fartology, um, mm. extraordinary food, you know, weird and wonderful food. And, and now dogology and catology, which has become, basically the last four years has been about dogs for me. Dog wow. Insects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's the, the, the long story of the journey to, to doing it, of just sort of falling into it because it was something that I absolutely loved and, and mm. adored doing. You know, I, I think quite a few people ask, and I'm sure they ask you as well, um, you know, how, how do I get to being a TV presenter? And oh, my, my answer is always, well, find something you're really passionate about and yeah. see, if, see if you're any good talking And about. run with it, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that was with me, it was dogs. And obviously I just wanted to push myself to be the best I could possibly be I suppose yeah. in, in my field yeah. and then with that becomes starts to become recognition and then people put you forward for things and then yeah. I think it's just a snowball isn't it yeah and, and then I, if I you're lucky like enough to pick up tv I mean because when you think of all the amazing people that have been in tv and who are no longer in tv it could just be a, a passing moment can't yeah. it yeah, absolutely. And, but but I think the, the the most exciting thing about being on telly the, the, is getting that first call and, and somebody saying, "We'd like you to do this thing," and it's not the money, and it's not the prestige, and it's not people recognizing you because. To be honest, I mean, maybe I've just got really unrecognizable. Yeah, no, same here. Face, but, yeah. but you know, you, uh, the first bit We're of TV, walking you, around you in walk face out, mask out, anyway. out, the, out the door, and you kind of go, "I'm here." And Where's the paparazzi? <laughs> <laughs> but but the exciting so the exciting thing is not that it's not fame or, or or money it's this sense that people are interested in your fascination mm-hmm. that this that, and suddenly the sky has opened and the opportunity to explore the thing that you love explodes yeah. and that's i think that's the most exciting thing and, yeah and that's that's the thing that I, I've, I've loved most i, lo- I love that too i love talking to people about what i love i love yeah. being able to bring that to a mass audience yeah, yeah, I think that that's exciting. really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So, what's next for you, Stefan? What's the next project you're working on? 
Okay, so the, so the next project is well. First of all, I've I've got to make a live show um, yes. of dogology. So I do wow, lots of live science you. shows. Fantastic. Yeah. So I'm working on that. Um, I'm building a dog dog stroke cat robot at the moment, which I'm tearing my hair out because it's, wow. it just won't quite work. It won't quite work yet. Um, but I'm working on that and and getting all the all the bits and pieces together. I've got how big. Big. Oh no, the, the, the dog is is kind of that. Oh, big. is it okay? But I yeah. use lots of cameras. You see, I, I mm. use I use a little array of about five cameras. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I film it and put it onto a big screen behind me, and then we talk about about the, kind of the weird and wonderful things that, that it does. I haven't managed to get it to poo yet. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get it. Well, to we need to attach poo. a compass for the <laughs> north north south pooping situation, and obviously making sure that it can do a spin. So we need some rotating wheels exactly. on the so it can exactly. maneuver its body into the correct orientation yeah. for the poop. <laughs> so that's all really fascinating and I'm, I'm getting together all the footage for it as well it's actually catology and dogology um all in, in one show so there's going to be Great. some cat science and then yeah. a bit of dogs versus are you going to split the audience win. cats on one oh, side yeah. dog people on the other side absolutely and we're gonna have a start big start so, yeah one. start some fighting great <laughs> <laughs> so i'm doing that and then and then i've got another book to write which i'm already a year late with i think oh i never said that i never said that Sarah, if you're listening, I'm not late, honest. Um, that's my, uh, my publisher. Um, so, uh, so that's called Weirdology. Now, this is, again, it's, it's, it's my obsession with quirky science. Yeah. It's all about the weird, mainly about bodily science, actually, about sort of, um, sort of zits and bogies and, and pus and tears and blood and saliva yeah, and things big, like that. It's big business now. It is, you know, oh, yeah. isn't it? Like, like those, <laughs> like, Pimple popping accounts are like exactly, yeah. They've got Absolutely millions of subscribers. Yeah, I think we're yeah. all a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm going to be continuing doing doing lots of stuff with with dogology, um, and yeah, I'm going to be doing um, lots of live shows this year, and most of them to start off with at science festivals. Mm. Uh, so we're doing Cheltenham Science Festival, uh, Northern Ireland Science Festival, and a whole bunch of others. So um, I've, I've noticed on your bio fun. on Instagram, there's a link, and you can see your live shows on there so if anyone's yes. interested in where you're going to be yeah that's right and they're, they're on all, there. you know it's been a tricky year for for people that, that do mm. live shows um tricky two years actually but they're beginning to come back in this year and and, and you know the one the few that i've done in over the last year you know people have absolutely loved getting back out there and coming into theaters yeah i was in the theater on the 23rd of jan it was emotional yeah yeah absolutely why the cast were emotional we're at the end we were yeah. emotional it's, everyone's just so grateful everyone's like, wants to hug each other but can't yeah that's true <laughs> we're all sat there just blinking at them because no one can see anyone's faces in yeah, the audience exactly. anyway exactly <laughs> but, it, but it is lovely you've got to support the arts yeah damn right my last question for you when i ask everybody what are your standout proudest moments it's great to boast <laughs> uh well um, other than other than marrying my gorgeous wife and, and seeing the, the oh, birth yeah, of my yeah, two yeah. daughters saying, obviously yes, but nobody yes. really wants to hear about that <laughs> no, I, no, I think I, I have to say that i mean that seeing my first book on the shelf was <gasps> yes. a deep down sense of of joy and pride I oh, think wow. that, yeah this is what this is what my mum's told me when I'm tearing my hair out yeah yeah she said Verity you will have such a sense of satisfaction yeah when and you... even if nobody buys my book no you know, we've all got to buy your book that well they're obviously <laughs> all got to buy but but it is just it's a very private sense of of that's it's a 
you know the body of work mm. is is there and you know annoyingly my wife has, has done about 60 books because she's a photographer and she, wow. you know, she's, she used to do about about 20 books a you know a year wow. a few less now but but only a bit so she's the bookshelf <laughs> is enormous with hers wow. and i've got a little section of 11 but i'm quite proud of my 11 i'll do yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the here's the photographs. Are they is they yeah. all photography based? Photographs. Ain't nothing. Easy. Yeah, trouble is, easy peasy. Trouble is, they're cookery books, and so what people do is they open it and they look at the photos. They don't read any of the words. Bloody no, photographers no. are getting. Well, I have to say, when I've got a cookery book, the first thing I do is look at the image. Do I want to eat that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the book book on the shelf, and I think the other thing is, as as we talked about just now, you know that that the first time I was. I, I was given a TV series that where I, I just thought people are fascinated by the same things that I'm fascinated by. And, yeah. and, and that extraordinary deep down sense of place and sense of, mm. of it's not a wild celebratory joy, just of like, ah, because you don't know if you're getting things right until, mm. until somebody says, yeah, I think you are. And I think other people want to hear that as well. And I think that sense is just, is a, is a deep down affirmation and, and that, yeah, filled my heart with, with real joy, I think. And the inspiration you bring to children as well and making science interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the kids, because I did a couple of kids series. And, yeah. You know, kids, unlike adults, kids recognize you everywhere. <laughs> so you walk around and kids are like, oh, it's, and it's so sweet. It's really, oh big. Gosh, but also kids, kids will express it. Whereas a lot of adults recognize you and they'll kind of like look at you sideways and go, oh, is that? That's not the thing. Whereas kids go, oh, hey, mister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me you're brilliant. This um, is, and, uh, I've only ever been spotted, by the way, stuff by children. Yeah. <laughs> well. I, well, I think that, 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 what's that saying is everyone spotted you. It's only the kids that, that have the, 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 you know, the, the nows to actually go up to you and say, oh, I've seen you. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> only ever in my own town, but. <laughs> yeah. Ah, it's not no. long now. <laughs> it's up it's upwards from here 2022 exactly this is our year <laughs> it is now obviously we're at the end of this episode and i want to finish off by asking you my quick fire questions mm-hmm. these are just short snappy answers so are you ready okay your favorite place to walk um favorite is weirdly it's epping forest which may uh-huh. not sound very glamorous to, to people but it's uh, epping forest in in a winter's sunny day it, the light streams through the trees and it's just stunning and your dog just shoots off and and explores and and it's it's meanders and and you can get lost and it's it's just absolutely gorgeous i'm sure every forest is the same really but epping yeah, is my one but it's it's your special place <laughs> it's mine <laughs> <laughs> number of dogs under your roof uh, just the one sadly i'm very keen on getting another one um uh, as the kids are keep kids keep on mm-hmm. uh, saying mm-hmm. um, they do like company is this dog. a fact do dogs like dogs do like company do well you? okay so so uh, we could we, this, this could be here we go one, here we it? go so so <laughs> yeah wolves are pack animals um mm-hmm. dogs are gregarious but they don't need each other anymore so so if when when dogs become feral um they will hang out in packs but they won't act as a pack you know they'll hang out together but they'll fight uh, they will have sex with anyone in in, in the in the group whereas yeah. wolves are a very very structured society um, yes. and so deep down they need each other and they're gregarious unlike cats which are pretty solitary and yes presence. they don't really they're yeah. not one but for company most of it's been been ironed out of them by us really they they need us i mean they need humans more they, they respond to humans mm-hmm. more and better than they respond to other dogs yeah i read that and um my dogs are always more excited to see me than 
they are to see each yeah. other and but say that I mean, because a lot of them are like mother and son or mother and daughter yeah there's a special relationship that they have with each other even in adulthood yeah. that you wouldn't get between two dogs they know that they are it's like they know they're related yeah they will share a bed with each other but never anyone else they will clean each other but never yeah. anyone else and i've had multiple dogs who are related and they will always pair together isn't that yeah, funny yeah and it is fascinating and, and and their connection and the connection to humans you know, that that trumps it all is is extraordinary there's there's very little like it in in the in the animal world you know mm. cats are, are are the nearest version of that but but even then they're nothing like dogs it is it's amazing that one species prefers another species above their own i'm it's just unprecedented it's yeah yeah absolutely summer or winter for you uh i'm i'm winter actually yeah, yeah I'm, nice. I, I love winter I, I i hate being being really hot and sticky I, I mean a sunny wintry day you know the 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 uh, drizzly week no um but same as my dog actually so blue hates the heat he, he mm. gets really miserable he's, he's quite coated though isn't he yeah, yeah exactly yeah. he needs you he needs you to have a go at him frankly <laughs> <laughs> he needs a good t-shirt <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so so the two of us are, are definitely uh winter sun kind of people Favourite holiday destination? Uh, well, favorite, I mean, it used to be um, kind of Bali and, and Thailand, you know, mm-hmm. got, got, had honeymoon in, in Bali got, and proposed in Thailand. But, um, but since getting a dog, you want your dog with Late you. Late district, you change it. Bit I, I thought you were going to say anywhere with a kids club, but no, we're going down the dog route. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, kids are older now. Kids are teenagers. So, um, uh, so okay. they're, they're frankly, they're okay. they won't be anywhere near us anymore. No, no, no. Surprisingly, they, they're, they're coming back to us now. But um, but yeah, so somewhere with a dog. So, so you know, d- down in the south, southwest of France, which is there's you know, the, the, the countryside around there is called the Garrigue, and it's kind of a scrubland. It's full of smells of, of rosemary and thyme and and, you know, gravelly kind of smells, and that's I love it, love it down there. Um, and and England and Lake District, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love you know the, the the extraordinary beauty of somewhere that you can just run around with your dog. Fantastic. And what's your phobias? Uh, no, no phobias. I mean, I, I have a I have a, a fear of boring food. Um, I, yeah, mm-hmm. that's beige that's food. The only problem, beige food. Yeah, not a fan. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, slightly lacking phobias. I mean, I've. You know, Great. No, of, I don't have a phobia either. Yeah, I've, I've eaten eaten spiders. I've, I've I've do lots of stuff with with insects. Okay, I've got, yeah, I've got a phobia. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, my daughter absolutely hates spiders. Yeah. Obviously, means that I have to find little ones and throw them at. <laughs> or pretend ones. That's what I like to do. <laughs> yeah, there my, is that like, as well. <laughs> fun fact: my husband's actually scared of spiders, so it's great sport. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite breed of dog? Uh, favorite okay so favorite i mean my my dog is is a border collies uh, stroke uh, poodle um mm-hmm. and i think border collies are probably my favorite yeah um oh god they need so much attention um, yeah yeah and, poodles are pretty needy too like yeah I'm a poodle absolutely. girl yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they are um, but, but at the same time i love a big stupid labrador you know we, that's oh, yeah. what, we used to look after the neighbor's labrador my, my mum had a, a lovely you know dim but gorgeous and, and sweet and slobbering labrador so yeah mm. I, love, I love those as well yeah what's your when are you your happiest this is my last question when are you your happiest when was i my happiest i i mean again obviously other than getting married and and having children um i think it was when i was offered my first tv series that yeah you know that I, it was that that moment when when 
when the sun came out. Feel the bubbling inside. You were just yeah. It's, it yeah. was an extraordinary sensation. So that mm. that probably sounds really dull and unromantic um, to say to say that, but it wasn't about again again not about money, not about prestige. It was just about the sense of recognition, yeah, and being able to and, and yeah. the, the excitement of, of yeah, anticipation. So so yeah, but that, I mean, I think that's I great. Was the best time, yeah. Now that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me and Stefan Gates. Stefan can be found at Gastronauts Lab. Is that right? Uh, Gastronauts Lab on uh, Instagram. Yeah, yes. so that's, that's G-A-S-T-R-O-N-A-U-T-L-A-B. That's the one. Thank you very much. <laughs> and check out Stefan's book, Dogology. It's an absolute must. And you can actually get a signed copy through a link in his bio on Instagram. Stefan, Stefan you also have a podcast food matters yeah food matters it's it's uh, it's all about food and the science of food and mm-hmm. things like that if that if that's so for brain. all the foodies out there make sure you download subscribe and you also touring your science around at many live shows thank you to everybody for listening and please don't forget to rate and subscribe to pod on the dog and if you'd like to write a review too that's really fabulous because it helps other people find it that's a bye from us bye, bye.